Thanks for listening to this Word in Your Ear podcast. If you'd like to get early access to all our productions ad-free, priority booking for our live events, and to take part in our weekly quiz, go to patreon.com slash wordinyourear for more details. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. You're listening to a podcast from The Word. Welcome to another edition of Word Down Your Way. Musicians about to go on the road. And I'd like the record to reflect that both Dave and I are boyishly thrilled uh, that the Manfreds are going out on the 60th anniversary tour. And even better, that both the lead vocalists, both the front men, are on board, Mike Darbo and Paul Jones. And we're joined by the great Paul Jones. Paul, it's lovely to see you. Where do we find you? Mark. And you, Excellent. We're good. So this is you and Mike and Tom McGinnis, I think, playing guitar, who's one of the other original members, and three other kind of long-standing Manfreds in the band. Is that right? Yes. Um, well, the the, um, the bassist, Mark, is Marcus Cliff, yeah. and the saxophonist, Simon Curry, have both been in the band for in excess of 15 years. Right. <laughs> so... That's nothing. Yes, um, Johnny come lately as they are. Yes, yeah, yeah. 45 years in, late. <laughs> I've been here for 60 years. But at, at the moment, as things stand at the moment, Mike Hug, our keyboard player, uh, originally the drummer. The drummer, yeah. Uh, yeah. Actually, he is, a, he is a keyboard player mainly um, and, and has been playing keyboards since we re- all reformed in 1991. Uh, he's uh, Ordecomba. At the moment, he oh, no. is uh, n- not uh, happy with his ears, right. and uh, also the the drummer who was in the who was a Manfred from 1991 onwards. Um, he was actually a member of the blues band since 1979, uh, yeah. and, and before that, he'd been in. Uh, a band that was very often on John Peel's program, um, but uh, and even before that, he was in a band called Family. Yeah, um, right. of course, Rob Townsend. Isn't yes, he? Rob Townsend, yeah. But Rob is also off the road at the moment, oh. and um, so at, at the moment we have a keyboard player called Mike Gorman, who's sensational, and uh, an equally excellent drummer called Pete Riley. 
And, um, and well, look, we're, we're mostly an East Anglian band nowadays. Yeah. <laughs> well, look, Paul, we're going we're gonna to magically take you back in time. Okay. To the first gigs that you remember seeing, because you you were from, from Portsmouth, right? Is that where you, you grew up? Yes, yes. So who do you remember seeing, and what what kind of gigs were there? Was this the Star Club, the Guildhall? I'm trying to think what the what the venues were in Portsmouth. Okay, okay. I went to the Guild. Guild I can remember going to the Guildhall once. Can I start at um, at the King's Theatre, Southsea? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, because uh, I, I saw Lonnie Donegan there. Oh, oh brilliant. Uh, my, my, my parents used to drag me there to see musicals. At the age of 9, 10, 11, 12, I detested musicals with every fibre of my being because um, they, they dragged me to see things like Carousel. How on earth is a 10-year-old or a 12-year-old going to like anything about Carousel? Um, and, and even worse... Brigadoon. Ah. <laughs> but anyway, uh, uh, but it, uh, I, I went to, to the King's Theatre to see Lonnie Donegan. And that, that's got to be one of the earliest gigs I can remember. So how old would you have been then, roughly? Well, it, it must have been teens? post... Um, why should I tell you? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. No shame. Was, You're I, among I friends. I was, probably, <laughs> I was probably about 14. Yeah. What do you remember, remember of it? Because I, I think when, when, when it came to my 15th birthday, I asked my parents to buy me a, a guitar. They bought me an acoustic guitar, so I learned how to play It Takes a Worried Man to Sing a Worried Song. Fantastic. Which, uh, 15 year olds don't really get worried that much. No, they don't, no, no. <laughs> but anyway, uh, that was good. And, and uh, yes, I did go to the Guildhall. I went to the Guildhall because there was a Craig Douglas gig on <laughs> Craig Craig didn't make the gig because uh, I don't know if you remember this but he he had tonsillitis and uh, he had his tonsils re- removed and he couldn't sing for a while <laughs> and uh, that's enough out of you Dave <laughs> <laughs> anyway um, he, he, um, he was replaced by Roy Young Oh, right. Okay. right. Does anybody remember Roy Young? Yeah. He, yeah. he was he was in uh, Cliff Bennett's band. Uh, yes. Right. And and various other things like that. And he was sensational. He was like uh, sort of Jerry Lee Lewis with bits of Little Richard thrown in. You know, I mean, he he, he dressed entirely in shiny black uh, with white shoes. And the white shoes would come up onto the keyboard for sort of like particularly uh, yeah. high notes. Yes, and uh, I, th- I thought he was—I thought he was tremendous as well. We—I we, got friends with him much later on, and uh, I think he's gone now, hasn't he? But anyway, he was—he was absolutely terrific, Roy Young. So I went, and, and the only other thing I can remember from those years was going to Southampton and seeing the Modern Jazz Quartet. Oh, right. Right. Um, the, the, the support band was an English jazz group led by Don Rendell, fabulous tennis saxophone player. Yeah. And um, the, then uh, the MJQ. I was a big MJQ fan, Modern Jazz Quartet. They, they were absolutely tremendous because I already loved blues and blues was at the heart of, of what they did. I mean, 
John Lewis, the piano player, was was like almost classical in the in the sort of precision of his playing, but yet there was this this blues feel underneath it. And Milt Jackson, the vibraphone player, was a blues musician through and through, and so I loved them. That I mean, Lonnie Donegan was good. Roy Young was good, very good, but. The modern jazz quartet. Who did, who did you first see who made you think, I, I want to get, I'll be on stage myself? Uh, there, was, there was some time I did. I, I, I tell you what, I, um, I, I, I sort of, I did a bit of skiffle. And, and I did actually get on stage with my schoolboy skiffle band. Um, what were they called? Can you remember? The Louisiana Four. <laughs> From Portsmouth. <laughs> yes. Don't 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 ask me why. I think I think I it was because um Hughie Ledbetter, Ledbelly, yeah, Louisiana. He was he, he was you know, you might have thought he was from Mississippi or somewhere, but or, or, or but no, he was from Louisiana, and I think it was because of him that we we did that, and we we did you know we learned the skiffle bits and pieces. But um, I I started to be really interested in in blues, but I wasn't sort of playing much anywhere. My father, who had, was in the navy, that's why I'm from Portsmouth. Uh, he he got. Uh, he he was actually captain of Plymouth Dockyard, and at this point I was at, at university, and I um in my fir- my first term, I got I went home, and I found this shop in Plymouth uh, during the school the, the the college holidays the Christmas holiday, and it was called Pete Russell's Hot Record Store. How could I stay away from that? And I went and uh, he's and I used to sort of buy the odd Big Bill Brunsey record or something like that. But one day I was in there and he said, you like blues. What do you think of this? And he put on a 10 inch LP on French Vogue records of T-Bone Walker. And it was absolutely sensational. T-Bone, you always worked with really good jazz musicians. Yeah. But in this particular album, the record company had taken him to Chicago and put him with Chicago blues musicians, like uh, on bass, the one and only Willie Dixon, uh, and on harmonica, a man called Junior Wells. Mm-hmm. And there was a song that uh, T-Bone did with Junior Wells on harmonica called Play On, Little Girl, which I recorded 40 years later with Pete Brown. But the blues, uh, all that was really happening in London. So what stage did you move to London and you were at the going to the Ealing Club, weren't you, and meeting up with early members of the Stones and I'd, stuff? When was that? I'd, I'd, I'd gone to, I, I'd, I'd been, you know, I went to London quite often, um, lying about my age because I was reasonably tall. And uh, I would go to um, the 100 Club or the Marquee and hear jazz music and so on. And eventually I heard... Um, Alexis Corner, but that that was that was later. But but hearing that that um, T Bone Walker with yeah the, the harmonica on it, that was what made me decide I wanted to do this. Oh program. right, absolutely. I lasted yeah. one more term. Uh, yes, 
I've got to ask you a question. Um, based on my memory, when I was either 15 or 16, I went to see Man from Man, a top of a bill on package tour in Wakefield, Yorkshire. And I think, if my memory is correct, on the same bill, you had the Spencer Davis group. Is this yes. right? Did, did we have the Graham Bond organization also on the same bill? Have I got that right? Well, the Graham Bond organization didn't happen until 1966. Oh, okay. Well, right. Okay. I may be blur. I may be mixing up two, two tours. But Spencer Davis was certainly there, weren't they? With Steve yes, Winwood. We, I can remember do, doing gigs. Uh, well, the first gig that we ever did with, with Spencer Davis. Um, <laughs> uh, I, back in London, I said to Long, Long John Baldry, who was singing with Alexis Corner's band, I said, there's a kid in Birmingham, and if he ever comes to London, you and I are finished. Yeah. <laughs> that was Steve Winwood. And he was probably he was, only about 15 at the time, he was wasn't he? 15 years old at the time. And I said to Spencer Davis, how come we never see you in, in London? He said, it's because of the kid. His mum won't let him come. Yeah, well, they, they had to. They had to be within a sort of whatever it was, twenty-five mile. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, did you play a, a, occasionally as a duo with with Elmo James, aka um, oh, you just bit, aka uh, Brian Jones, later of the Stones? Yeah. Is that right? We we sometimes. Is, is that okay? That picture. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, fine. Yeah, um, he, we sometimes uh, would like. Um, gate crash parties and things like that. Hit him with a guitar and me with a harmonica. I was useless on the harmonica. I, I, I'd heard this fabulous harmonica and I immediately bought a harmonica. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And, and, um, or actually more than one. And, uh, one day, yeah, we we did. We played. We definitely played mostly at parties. Maybe the occasional sort of um, student union thing, because there were plenty of colleges. Yeah, yeah. Um, and 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 Brian, of course, was in Cheltenham, which was just you know quite handy for for Oxford. And and at that by that time, Alexis Corner had opened his club in Ealing. And so Oxford was on the way from Cheltenham to Ealing. So we, Brian would come and pick me up, and then we would we would hitchhike to uh, London. But yeah, we did play together a bit. And it was Brian who said to me, "You're you're you, you um you're doing that. You're playing that harmonica all wrong." And I said, "What do you mean?" He said, "Well, what key is that harmonica?" And I said, "It's C." He said, and, and what key are you playing it in? I said, well, C. He said, that's where you're going wrong. You want to play it in the key of G. And if you want to play in C, you need an F. Well, pretty fundamental advice, I would have thought. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's, it's, um, it's cross harp, it's called. It used to yeah. be called cross harp. 
Now it's called second position or third position. And uh, you, you, when you, that's to say upper fourth or no, upper fifth or down yeah, a fifth yeah. or, or upper a tone. But you, it, it, Brian's, it was Brian who said, you know, this is how you play the blues and you play cross harp. And it, it was like opening a sort of special door into a magic place. <laughs> That's brilliant. That's great. So apart from the Skiffle Band and you playing with, uh, you know, with Brian stuff, what was that? Was there a group that you were in pre-Manfreds? Was there a band that you played in? Uh, no. Um, I, I, I sort of sat in with people. I, I, we used to go to the Ealing Club on a Saturday and Alexis Corners Blues Incorporated with the vocals split between Cyril Davis, the harmonica player, and Long John Baldry, and uh, lined along the front of the stage, there would be Mick Jagger, me, Andy Wren, uh, Art Wood, and that's Ronnie Wood's brother, by the yeah. way, and and, and all, all and various people like that, all kind of looking up at, at Alexis, going me. Choose me. That's right. <laughs> and Alexis being wonderfully generous and helpful and encouraging as he was all his life. Wonderful man. He's he would he would point at Mick or point at Andy or point at yeah. me. And and you'd go, yeah, and jump up on the stage. And he would say, Right, what what do you want to do? And in what key? And you'd say, I'm going to Chicago in G. <laughs> There was always a rumour that Keith and Brian had asked you, Keith Richards and Brian had asked you to form a band, to be the singer in their band. Was that right? Brian asked me to form, to, to sing with a band he was forming. Everybody thinks that Keith was already in it at that point. But he wasn't. No, there was nobody. Brian said, I'm going to form a band. Not I have, I have started to Right, form. right. He said, I'm going to form a band. Do you want to be my singer? I said, no. <laughs> I, one, I thought, yeah, what Brian actually said was, I'm going to form a band and I'm going to become rich and famous. Oh, really? And, and I said, playing blues? You're going to become <laughs> rich and famous? Alexis Corner played the blues and his band was full of guys who, who were all in other bands as well. And some of them were in two or three other bands. Yeah, yeah. You know, guys made a living by, by playing with anybody who asked at any time. Um, you, you couldn't make a living from being in Alexis Corner's Blues Incorporated. And here was Brian saying, I'm forming a band and I'm going to become rich and famous. So I'm going, no, Brian, no, you're not. Good luck with it. You know? Yes. <laughs> also... Actually, to be to be honest, I I just I just passed an audition with a dance band. <laughs> and you might think, why would you want to be in a dance band? They were great musicians and they were paying money. There you yeah. go. So, Absolutely. So but anyway, so um what that, can we expect? I used to fit in with Alexis and I also went after um Cyril Davis split from Alexis. Uh, I would I would uh, hound Cyril's gigs as well 
and, and uh, stand right in front of the bandstand. And Cyril would say, all right, come on up, you get sing something. Um, and and uh, I used to sit in with anybody who would let me. And um, it was because of that that when they were forming the band, Mike Hug and Manfred went to the Marquee Club and they said, um, we got a band, we're forming a, a blues, a rhythm and blues band with jazz, jazz and blues and all that stuff. And the thing is, we've got all the musicians, we know loads of musicians, we don't know any singers. Actually, they said, we don't know any shouters. Do you know any shouters? And Bill Carey from the Marquee Club said, well, there's this guy who gets up with Alexis. His name is Blue, uh, Blue Boy Jones, I think it is, and that's what I was. And he said, you might try him. And so I had a call from a bass player that they were working with called Ken Goddard. And he said, would you audition with Manfred Mann and Mike Hug? And I said, yes. And I went to the Roaring Twenties in Carnaby Street for an audition. And as far as I could see, there was nobody there auditioning except for me. And I got the job. How did you get asked to, uh, to write, to contribute the, the, the theme tune for Ready, Steady, Go? Well, that's fantastic because five four three two one was was theme tune, wasn't it? Written by you and Mike and, and Manfred. Yeah, we had a we we had a record out before that called Cock a Hoop, mm. which was a song of mine, very much influenced by Bo Diddley, hugely influenced by Bo Diddley, and obviously they liked it because they um, they invited us on to Ready Steady Go to do that. And so we did. And they said, would you be interested in writing us a signature tune? And of course we said, and Manfred had written the first song that we put out as a record tune, instrumental. I wrote the next one. And then they said, would you be interested in writing um, uh, this theme tune for us? And we said, yes, of course. And they said, right. Well, we like the original, the, the first one you did, the instrumental. That was nice. We want lots of instrumental. Uh, we liked Cock a Hoop because we liked the rhythm very much. You must yeah. have that same rhythm. It's a Bo Diddley rhythm. And they said, oh, and you must do a countdown and you must have at least 35 seconds, no, it's 25 seconds of music. Uh, without, uh, uh, apart from the countdown, no lyrics uh, until at least twenty-five right. seconds in, and so. So apart that, from that, apart from that, you can go your own way. Do do whatever you want. <laughs> do whatever you like. Yeah. <laughs> be so, my guess. So basically, basically, we knew it had to be a blues. We knew it had to have the Bo Diddley rhythm, all, and the countdown, all the, all of that. And all I had to do was steal some words from um, a. Alfred Lord Tennyson, Charge of the Light Brigade. Yes, yes. The 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 the, um, the Trojan War. So anyway, it was it was easy to write. We'd written it by the time we got to our gig that night. <laughs> so all these all these years years later, the Manfreds are going on tour. Are you still doing that tune? You darn right, we are. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Do you begin with it? No, actually. Well, I don't know. We might. I mean, actually, we haven't. We, we, when it comes to the autumn tour, we haven't actually written the set list yet, and we probably won't until about a week before. So, how does we it do work with you and Mike? Because I mean, do you, do you do it chronologically? I mean, presumably you're not. No, 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 no. no. We take it songs, follow the Mike songs. Or? 
I do one, he does one, I do one, he does one. Oh, right, right. And, and we break that up because Tom McGuinness has got to do a couple from um, McGuinness Flint. Yeah, of course. Oh, okay. Uh, and, and I might have to do one of my solo hits. So as well. you're going to do "I've uh, Been a Bad Bad Boy" or whatever? Presumably. Oh, you've got to do a bad bad. Boy. I love that song. I love I love that record. One of my favourite records. Really good record. Really. Oh um, yeah, absolutely loved uh, it. Um, um, people say, do you ever get sick of any of your records? I said, only bad bad boy. Oh, really? oh, what a shame. And well, does Mike do stuff that he wrote? Does he do handbags and? Oh yeah, he handbags yeah, he'll, he'll do. He'll, he'll be on yeah, and he'd also do buttercup. Yeah, yeah, yeah oh, fantastic. Oh well, Very that's good. great. Very well, good. look, Paul, it's so nice to talk to you. And these dates are in uh, September, I think September, October. We'll we'll put the dates at the bottom of this. But we'd like to end with asking people what the greatest show they ever saw was. Can you remember the? Uh, we're putting you on the spot now. The greatest, greatest, uh, greatest concert you ever you ever attended. Um. Oh, come! Dylan at Earl's Court was very good. Oh um, right, what what era would that have been? This the nineteen seventy eight lot. Was it? Late late seventies. <coughs> yes, yeah, seventy eight. I was there for those. Yes, seventy eight. That's right. Yes, um, I, I I did enjoy that, but it wasn't the best. Um, oh, that 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 um, modern jazz quartet in Southampton. That was amazing. Um, Fair enough. Did, I, actually, I, I think I, I, there's lots and lots of, of memorable gigs, but it, the one that sticks in my mind was uh, Hammersmith Odeon, as we called it in those days, uh, Al Jarreau. All right. Okay. okay. So, I mean, I was absolutely bowled over by his stage presence uh this sort of style of the thing but but mostly what he could do with his voice uh, um the al Jarreau was i mean genius <laughs> anyway I, Fantastic. I, I i think i put that down as the best thing yeah. that i and i did see some wonderful things you know muddy waters live in wherever it was and yeah but i, I think al Jarreau takes it Fantastic. Oh, well, look, so nice to talk to you. And, uh, you know, very good luck with, with, with the tour. And make sure you play uh, I've Been a Bad, Bad Boy, or as David and I have been terribly disappointed. <laughs> very nice to see you. Time. Thanks so much. Settle for what? High time. Oh, that's good. Oh, yeah, also that's good. a good one. Also yeah, a good one. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's, there's loads of wonderful things there. Okay. Anyway, both written, both written by Mike Leander. And Charles Mills. So, um, yeah, one one or other of those I'll do. Okay. Fantastic. Well, good Good luck with the tour. Good luck with the tour. Thank you very much. This podcast was brought to you by The Word. (laughs) 